How old is the Earth? How was it formed? Walt Disney showed us that dreams really do come true. You are not the first to pass this way, nor shall you be the last. W Radio, your information station. Hello and welcome to the WDW Radio Show, your Walt Disney World information station. I'm your host, Lou Mangiello, and this is show number 102 for the week of January 18th, 2009. I am back from my trip to Walt Disney World with a lot to share with you this week, including some very interesting Walt Disney World news. From openings to closures to changes and updates, there are many exciting things happening now and in the future. I also returned from covering the 16th annual Walt Disney World Marathon Weekend, not as a runner, but as a spectator. So six guests are going to join me this week in the roundtable discussion all of whom either completed the half or full marathon or cheered from the sidelines beside me. It's a fun look back at the weekend from many perspectives, including a lot of good that came out of everybody's efforts. My inbox has been overflowing with your questions, so I welcome back Becky Mankin to the show to help me answer some of your pressing questions, many of which will hopefully involve dining at Walt Disney World. I'll have the answers to and winner of last week's Walt Disney World Trivia Contest, and we'll challenge you once again this week with new questions and even more prizes. I'll have some announcements and then play back some of your voicemails at the end of the show, so sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of the WDW Radio Show. Hi, travelers. This is Space Mountain Mission Control. Please bear with us. Your ship is being prepped for launch and should be ready to go soon. It's time for this week's news from Walt Disney World, and there is a lot to get to, so I'm going to get right into it. First, from the Magic Kingdom, a longtime rumor has now been confirmed as true, and I have good news and I have bad news. The good news is Space Mountain is going to be going down for a major refurbishment later this year. The bad news is that Space Mountain will be going down for a major refurbishment later this year. It has been confirmed by Walt Disney World that both Space Mountain, and this is the really bad news, the Tomorrowland Transit Authority, Wedway People Mover to you and me, will be closed for refurbishment from April 19th through at least July 31st, 2009. So a big chunk of the spring and summer season. Unfortunately, Space Mountain and the TTA will be down. So if you can get down there before it gets your last rides on the, at least the classic version of the Space Mountain attraction, who knows how it's going to reopen in August. So on to happier news, which means it revolves around food. The Frontierland Fry Cart, which has been missing for some time and has been replaced by some very tall, not just for me, walls with lots of noise and work going on behind them, will be getting a new name when it reopens. The Golden Oak Outpost is supposedly going to be the name of the new quick service location 
which is believed to include items on the menu such as chicken nuggets, fried chicken sandwich, hello, and veggie wraps. One thing that's not certain at this time is if the location will continue to be sponsored by McDonald's and or if it will only carry McDonald's products. On to more food, and still in Frontierland, unless I was deeply saddened on my last trip when I heard that Pecos Bill's Tall Tale Inn and Cafe would be closed on or about January 11th. It was with a joyful tear in my eye when I walked by on the 12th and saw the doors wide open. I then wept out loud when I realized it was only 10 o'clock in the morning and I'd have to wait a few more hours before I could enjoy one of those tasty burgers. But on to the news. It appears as though the planned refurbishment was postponed for about a week or so, and it's now planned to be closed from January 17th through February 20th, 2009. Relatively lengthy amount of time. During that time, it's expected that El Parada y El Perico will be open daily, but it will also be offering items such as salads, hamburgers, barbecue pork sandwiches, and children's peanut butter and jelly. Now, assumingly, the Fixin's Bar for El Parada, which which usually is meant for, for tacos and taco salads, might be repurposed for use for burger fixins. Who knows? So I may have to investigate further uh, just for the show, of course, on my next trip down. Sticking with the Magic Kingdom a little bit, there's lots of work going on in and around Tomorrowland, and you can be the judge if you think this is good or bad news. First, I reported as rumor some time ago that the Galaxy Palace Theater would be closing permanently, and if the construction walls and removal of all the structures inside is any indication... That appears to be true as well. Disney has not, however, announced any replacement for the theater stage and the seating area. But speaking of stages, and staying in Tomorrowland, construction walls went up across the plaza past the TTA for a very new, very large stage, which is believed to be going to be called the Magical Celebrations Stage, and is supposed to be used for the new Stitches Supersonic Celebration Show debuting later this year, I will post some photos in the show notes that I took from the TTA of both the Galaxy Palace Theater and the new stage, uh, the Magical Celebration stage, being constructed. Okay, so it's been way too long since I talked about food, and in the interest of research, I discovered that Aloha Isle over in Adventureland has changed its menu slightly. And no, don't worry, you don't have to go over to Captain Cook's at the Polynesian in order to get your pineapple dole whip floats. Instead, the chocolate whips are gone And they've been replaced by orange whips. Orange whip, orange whip, four orange whips. Anyway, so the uh, the menu has changed just slightly, but the pineapple Dole Whips are obviously still available in Adventureland. Moving over to Epcot, the Kim Possible World Showcase Adventure has announced the official grand opening date, which is going to be January 28th, 2009. But if you are a DVC member, you can actually get a sneak peek of this attraction from January 23rd through the 25th from 11 a.m. to 7 p.m. daily. From what I understand, annual pass holders will be able to start making reservations if they want to go and do the Kim Possible experience from February 26th through March 1st. Those are the dates of the experience from 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. On February 5th, you'll be able to go to the annual pass holder website at 10 a.m. to start making your reservations for those days. And if you're wondering what the Kim Possible adventure is, it's an interactive experience that takes place in World Showcase, takes about 30 to 45 minutes to complete. You're given a small electronic communicator. You're given clues and have to go to a number of locations around World Showcase. 
I believe there are about seven different adventures that you can do. Again, at about a half hour each, you're looking probably about two, three, four, maybe five hours in order to complete it, depending on how much time you spend, how crowded it might be. I have not had a chance to do it as yet, but I have spoken with a number of people who tried it out during the testing phase. Both adults and kids raved about it, so I am looking forward to trying it myself on a future trip, and uh, I will definitely have a full review for the show. Staying over in Epcot, moving over to Future World, the IBM Think Place in Interventions West has closed for what may be a major renovation. There are construction walls up that now completely enclose the very large area, and there's a sign that reads, The New Think Place, presented by IBM, coming soon. That's all I have. I know nothing else. There's been little information coming out, but if you know something else, please let me know, or when it reopens and have a chance to see it, please call or write into the show. Tell us what is going on over in Think Place and Interventions. And uh, back to what World Showcase, real quick, I saw as I was walking by that Morocco has a new exhibit called Moroccan Style, the Art of Personal Adornment. And this exhibit features clothing and jewelry from that country, as well as a museum featuring life-size figures, uh, a lot of information about the traditions and the history of the people and its culture. Don't walk on by. I highly recommend you go in and check out the new Moroccan exhibit. Same holds true for all the World Showcase pavilions. Uh, even if you've eaten already, definitely walk in and check out what they have inside. Moving over to Disney's Hollywood Studios, I've posted a couple of videos provided by Disney about the American Idol Experience preview. Uh, some of them star David Cook and uh, Saisha Mercado. Those are over on the Disney World Trivia website in the article section. That new attraction is set to open to the public on February 14th. But I have heard from people who have experienced previews that they were blown away, first and foremost, by the stage and the sets, and that the experience actually exceeded many of their expectations. I'm very much looking forward to seeing this for myself. And of course, I will cover the opening for the show. So definitely stay tuned. Staying over in the studios, the dates for Star Wars weekends have been announced. And this year, they start in May once again, as they'll run from May 22nd through June 14th. If you want more information or if you're thinking about heading down for one of the Star Wars weekends, I recommend you go back to a couple of my older shows where I did cover some Star Wars weekend planning and recap. Uh, I will definitely cover this again on the show. I don't know how much is going to change from year to year, but I'll definitely talk about it more as we get closer. And I will, of course, be there in full Jedi regalia, definitely be holding a meet of the month during one of those weekends, I assure you. And as soon as I get those dates locked in, I will let you know. Quickly heading over to Disney's Animal Kingdom, Trilobite, the quick-service dining location, has opened in the former location of Petrofries in the Dino Land section of the park, a little bit ahead of schedule. The location no longer serves just McDonald's-branded products. Instead, they now have turkey legs, soft drinks, and bottled water only, so you can no longer get McDonald's fries over at Trilobites. Heading outside the parks, construction has begun for the Characters in Flight Tethered Balloon Experience, which is coming to the downtown Disney Marketplace. The pier that extends into Village Lake is very much underway. They're moving forward very, very quickly on that. I've also come to learn that the Characters in Flight name might not be the one that sticks. I have learned that the new name for the gas-powered balloon, which is going to carry up to 30 guests at a time, may be Aerofile. So we'll wait to hear something official if that is going to be the new name. As you know, last weekend was the 16th annual Walt Disney World Marathon Weekend. I'm going to do a full recap roundtable on the show later on. But I want to give you a couple of fun facts after uh, if this year's marathon. First, 
A Brazilian has won the men's or women's Disney Marathon every year since 1998. And once again, Adriano Bastos won for the fifth consecutive year and his sixth time overall. He said his goal is to win the event 10 consecutive times. And a little fun fact, he actually adds a new Mickey Mouse tattoo each and every time he wins. Outside of the U.S. and Canada, no country had more entries this year than Brazil's 251. And of course, let's not forget about the women because Lisa Mizutani, a 23-year-old medical student, won the women's title on what she called sort of a casual stop en route to Miami to visit her aunt and uncle. She said, I was just going to visit, you know, my aunt and uncle, and I was looking for a marathon nearby. I happened to find this one. I heard it was really good. And oh, by the way, I won it. So congratulations to not just the winners, but everybody that not only just finished the marathon, but signed up, took their place in the starting line and ran it or went on to cheer again. We're going to cover that a little bit later on the show with the marathon recap. Also, when I was down last weekend, I had a chance to experience the new Disney design store, which is presented by Haynes at the downtown Disney Marketplace, and I was very, very impressed. Here, you can actually design, personalize, and then immediately purchase special teacher shirts. They use a simple touchscreen technology uh, kiosk. You can create uh, a long sleeve shirt, short sleeve t-shirts, lots of different colors, uh, up lots of different sizes. They go up to actually size 5X, which I thought was awesome. Uh, there's also a hundred different selections of art from animation and characters and movie characters, You can also add up to four lines of text using different fonts or colors, or you can actually use some ready-made slogans as well. Uh, The shirts are printed right there on the spot as you wait. Take about 20 minutes or so, depending on how busy they are. A very cool little thing that they do with some pneumatic tubes up top when you you buy your shirt that I won't spoil for you. Um, I think it's a great idea because for families or groups that are traveling together, you can easily create multiple copies of the same design at the same time for everybody. So if you're going down for your you know, family reunion or whatever kind of trip it might be, I think it's really neat that you can make these shirts right on site. Um, the grand opening event they had was a lot of fun. There was balloons and confetti. They had a giant t-shirt cake. Of course, Mickey was there. I also had a chance to speak to Kevin Lansbury. He's been on the show before. He's the vice president of Downtown Disney who had this to say about the new design at T-Store. Kevin, congratulations. Very exciting morning. It is a very exciting morning. And the day that Disney's Design at opened was very exciting also. And since then, throughout this soft opening period, we've had huge crowds in here. The place has been very busy, well beyond our expectations. And we are extremely happy with it. I can see why. This is my first chance to, to come into the store. And it's great because it's really not just a new merchandise location. This is really an interactive experience that the whole family can enjoy together. Yeah, it is. A, it is a new interactive experience that our guests can enjoy together. But it's great for what we for what we celebrate and our new campaign this year because it allows our guests to come in and customize the T-shirts together as a family and celebrate whether it's an anniversary, a birthday, or some other special occasion. They can celebrate here and they can celebrate together and they can design it together. Exactly. And design and customization is the key because it's not just a matter of picking a shirt off the rack. You literally go from beginning to end as choose everything from your size, your color, your characters, hundreds of different uh, options. Tell us a little bit about the process that a guest would go through. When a guest enters the store, they get to walk up to one of our kiosks and they get to start off by picking the type of shirt they would like, the color, the animated characters or some other sort of Disney characters that they can put on it. And then they get to animate it further by putting their own message on the shirt. So they can put, there are four different lines where they can put text, 
They can change the color of the text. They can change the font of the text. They can really customize this shirt and make it their own. And so far, our guests have loved doing it. They've really come up with some very neat things. Yeah, I spent some time this morning just going through because there's not just classic characters like Mickey and Minnie and Donald and Pluto, but there are characters from Pixar films, classic films, newer films like Cars and, and WALL-E. So there's so many different options and, and dozens and dozens of Mickey designs. And the fact that you can put your own message, you talk about the what will you celebrate, I can imagine families coming down, wanting to get everybody in the family a yellow shirt with their favorite character and their family's reunion or whatever that message might be. Yes, that's true. And it allows each family member to be able to customize it too. So where my daughter might really like to have High School Musical 3 on her, on her shirt, she could have that. My son could have Pluto or Goofy or Mickey, Minnie or Donald uh, on his. So and mom and dad can do something different with theirs. But they can all have the same message if they would like it or they can all have it different. And, it's, and again, because you have the touch screens, you have this sort of interactive technology and the pneumatic tubes going overhead. It really is something fun that I think kids will enjoy doing as well as the parents. It's, it's a very interactive experience and it's going to be a lot of fun for the entire family. And that seems to be the trend with the increased level of interactivity, not just in the parks, but outside and sort of fitting in. Maybe this is sort of a, the beginning of some of the new things that we know are coming to downtown Disney. It's going to be a very exciting year with everything that's happening around here. I think this is just the start. And with that, Kevin Lansbury, Vice President of Downtown Disney, I will thank you and congratulate you once again. Thank you. I also had some information that I wanted to share with you to help maybe clear up some of the free offerings that Disney is giving as part of the new What Will You Celebrate campaign. Uh, a lot of you emailed me with questions asking about the, the free admission and the free cards and whatnot. As you know, Disney is giving everybody free admission to any of its parks on your birthday in 2009. But a number of you asked me specifically, well, what about us annual pass holders? You know, we don't need the free admission, obviously, because we have an AP. So what I found out is that pass holders can choose either one day's admission for use after your passes expire, a birthday fun card valued at a single day's admission, which is about $75 for adults, $63 for kids ages three and up, that you can use at any Disney-owned merchandise location in the parks, not restaurants, and also not at some places operated by third parties, such as in World Showcase or Downtown Disney. Now, of course, if a merchandise location sells snacks, etc., you can use the card there, and I have five words for you, peanut butter chocolate chip cookie. Trust me on this one. Take part of your $75 and use it on that. Another question that a lot of people had is, does that card expire that day? Do you have to use that card in full on your birthday? And the answer to that is fortunately no. It does not expire on your birthday, although you must pick it up on that birthday. You can't go the day after and say, hey, yesterday was my birthday, I didn't get my card. The third option is that you can get a multiple ride fast pass for the day. And I need to be clear on this because the fast pass allows you to choose four rides and get an immediate fast pass. But the fast passes are divided up into two groups. So you can choose two fast passes for each of the groups, meaning that you can't get four soaring or four sounds dangerous fast passes in a row. You have to sort of break them up. But uh, anyway, I mean, you have a, a lot of different things that you can choose from depending on how uh, you might want a vacation and use that credit if you're an annual pass holder. So last, um, last bit of news is really a question, and it is, are you 23? Disney has a mysterious new website that asks that question and counts down to March 10th, 2008. 
Many of you have asked me about it, what it means, and all I have to say is, I am 23. Okay, I I really have no clue what it is, but uh, I will link to the Disney website so you can see for yourself. You can be as equally frustrated as many of us are and speculate as to what's coming. Uh, I have my own ideas as to what it might be and what I think it's going to offer to guests and fans, but I'm going to hold off saying anything for now. If you don't want to look in the show notes, the website is disney.go.com slash 23. And with that, that will end this week's news segment. If you have any news that you want to share, please email me at lou at wdwradio.com. If you want to comment on anything that I talked about in here, either visit the forums at disneyworldtrivia.com in the WDW Radio section or call on the voicemail 888-203-2171 and leave comments right there on the air. the 16th annual Walt Disney World Marathon Weekend. And I am standing here on the beautiful boardwalk with good friends and fellow guests often on the show. Lori, Pat, Tracy, Glenn Whalen, Valerie, and Steve. Welcome everybody back again and welcome to new guests. Yes. Hi everybody. Hi. So I thought we would do sort of a marathon weekend recap. And there are a lot of different elements to it, first and foremost of which was the half marathon that took place on Saturday. And we, we sort of covered the marathon on previous shows as sort of preparing for the marathon. And then we've also looked at it from spectator strategy. And two of my guests are first-time half marathon runners and, more importantly, half marathon finishers. Please do me a favor. Jingle that bling a little bit. That is the sound of the, uh, the Donald medal, which looks much more like a, a Panchito medal because a little thing around the top kind of makes them look like a three caballero. And, uh, you know, I've covered it as, as a first-time marathoner before and expectations of the marathon. I want to know from you guys um, what you kind of thought before you got here, what some of your fears were, and what was your experience like as a whole? Oh, sure. Start with me. <laughs> <laughs> well, you are co-host of the day, so this is old hat for you. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't think I prepared enough. I'm very sore today. But um, it was probably more than I ever would have expected. And I think, the, like, one of the best parts, other than doing it with my best friend Tracy here, is uh, going through the Magic Kingdom. It's it's so different. Like, you're getting there, and you're getting excited, and then right when you hit the Magic Kingdom, and you see your friends yelling and cheering, and it just, it's amazing. But it was getting tough towards the end. You know, like, I don't know if I can go any further and hit mile 12 and I see you guys all again. I'm like, I just want to quit. And I start crying. And But absolutely amazing. Other than the fact that, you know, you made me do it. Yeah, <laughs> mile 10. Lou <laughs> got his mile 10, you know, you stink. What did you get me into? Phone call. But uh, definitely worth it. Yes. Yeah, you actually called me from the course to yell at me for getting you involved in a marathon. That's because you told me that I was probably going to call you at mile 10 on a previous show. That bad at mile 10, we weren't doing too badly. Mm-hmm. I mean, my feet were hurting some then, but we weren't doing too badly at mile 10. It was by 
12, 11, 12, I was all done. Feels <laughs> less uphill, uphill, downhill, blisters, sore. I know that that, that stretch, when, I mean, when you come into the Magic Kingdom, was that not like the most surreal? I mean, I'm sure getting up at 3 o'clock in the morning and getting to Epcot or whatever, <laughs> that was surreal enough, you know, kicking off and the adrenaline's going. But when you turn that corner coming out by uh, Tony's and you make that and you round that corner and you see everybody on Main Street, what was that like? That was so cool. We, as you know, came down to cheer you guys, you on, and you and Deanna on last year. So we heard how you, you know, talking about how cool it was and everything, which is probably what got us into this. And <laughs> so I was all excited about it. We couldn't wait for it. It was, it was so cool just, you know, walking up Main Street. It was like as we were backstage, we were, you know, taking pictures of, like, the castle from backstage, and we were very excited. And to, to stand on Main Street it was, it was very cool. And we got to see Captain Jack behind stage, so that was even better. We both see him at the same time, in exact same time. We go, Jack! And we go running down the hill towards him. But then after that, it's, yeah, that was probably the fastest pace right there. But then when you come out of Magic Kingdom, it's tough because there's, like, nothing. You know, there's some funny little signs and a couple bands and that, but... You know, it's it's real tough after you have all that excitement, that energy you're feeding off of everybody else, and you're like, yeah, and then it goes like, no, you're done for until you start getting towards Epcot more. That's how I felt when I come out of the Magic yeah. Kingdom. You're on such a high, and all your friends are there, and people cheering you on and calling out your name because they see it on your bib, yeah. which I think makes all the difference in the world. And then you hit that stretch of like 30 miles of World <laughs> Drive until you see the dolphin in the distance. Then you kind of know yeah. that you're home. But that ramp, that sort of on-ramp getting around is tough and uh, I know for me when I saw 13 miles you hit the 13 mile mark you're like okay I'm done this is it was that 0.1 miles the longest 0.1 mile ever I didn't think so really when I saw 0.1 mile I could see the finish line so I was like there's the finish line it's right there we can last year when I did it it was a lot longer that 0.1 was a lot longer between then and the finish I think the last mile I thought went by the fastest I don't know why, but it seemed like the last mile seemed like the fastest mile. Because we were, we were in Epcot. Epcot, like you're back in a park and you're just you're up, you know, up to the World Showcase and back. That it went really fast. And there's stuff going on. We're not spoiling it for the people that haven't right. seen it before. Um, there's a lot going on. And now, Steve, you're this is, you're an old veteran. This is old hat for you. I mean, 13 miles is like a walk in the park. Last year was your first half marathon here. This right. obviously was your second. Right. Any differences between last year, this year? Did you find it? easier tougher was the experience better for you the experience was better uh because i was more about the running than just trying to finish but uh overall uh when you do something the second time it's quite not the surprise you have but uh it was a little easier to run through it this time and you bested your time by quite a by by quite a bit yeah last year i was at 237 it was my first race ever and then uh Yesterday I I got 159, so I was happy. That's awesome. But you literally broke that two-hour mark by a matter of seconds. I asked you, did you literally dive over the finish line just to make sure that your chip went over in under two hours? Yeah, I ran pretty fast the last uh, 100 yards. I knew it was going to be close, so I was only within 10 seconds of hitting the two-hour mark. And for me, I, I didn't run this year, um, not because I'm still sore from last year, but because <laughs> You guys told me about your experience, during, and I know how much it meant to me and how much it got me through some of those tough spots, knowing that my friends were there, knowing that my family was there cheering on. So I wanted to see it from a spectator's point of view, and I talked about it a couple of weeks ago. 
strategies and things like that. And for me, part of the fun and part of the excitement after the alarm goes off at three o'clock in the morning was the chase, you know, figuring out where to go, getting there, getting to the Magic Kingdom uh, when we got there in the middle of the night, basically at five o'clock in the morning and it was still dark and there's, you know, 80s dance party, techno music playing. That's a surreal thing for us as well. Oh, yes. Yes. And getting to the right hotel is a good idea. Yeah. Yeah, we... Thank you very much. (laughs) Yacht Club, Beach Club, fortunately they're right next to each other. But, you know, we were talking about this too, uh, how exciting that was for us sort of, you know, getting there early and seeing all the other people cheering and then sort of and waiting to see the people that we knew come through. Yeah, it was really cool to be there. I mean, 5 o'clock in the morning is... um, not an hour that I like to be anywhere, but if I have to be somewhere, the Magic Kingdom is a pretty cool place to be in the dark. In and of itself, being in the Magic Kingdom. We got there very early. We got there earlier yesterday than we did for the marathon today. And there was hardly anyone there. We all decided we had to take some good pictures. And then to find the special spot, of course, we, we went to the WDW Radio loose spot to, to, to cheer our team on. And um, it was just a wonderful experience. And waiting, the first, when the first runner comes down, when the first wheelchairs come through, and then from then on, you are just on a high, waiting for your person, your people, we had many, to cheer on, to come through. It was, it was fantastic. I know for me, there was so much that I enjoyed about that. I mean, and it was odd for me, because getting up at three is usually when I'm going to sleep, so my body clock was all <laughs> kinds. But like you said, when you get there, and the excitement of being in the Magic Kingdom, you see that first runner go by, and you're cheering other people on and then you, you see the people that you're looking for but you're so you know invested in cheering everyone. next thing you know you're looking at bibs and you're calling out names and it means and it means so much to them I know from my side I don't know if you guys had this while you were racing were, were complete strangers calling out your name hey Lori you know did you guys have that? Yeah no you hear your name and you know they're strangers but you still turn and look at them and smile and wave to them and they appreciate that also yeah and again it's exciting for us and there are some people you know I saw some some people you know more of the senior side and I was so happy for them I was so proud of them that they were doing it and you're right when they are, look like they're exhausted and they turn and smile to you that makes you feel good and my hands hurt from clapping so much for everybody in all the different spots that we were yeah I was losing my voice by the end too from cheering so much <laughs> and and you know, most most of the runners did really appreciate that that you were you know, give him that little extra, you know, you know, go whoever you are. Hey, guy in the kilt, go, you know, and, you know, the like couple the that we yelled. Skirt. <laughs> there, was, there was a the guy, guy in, a in, a, in a skirt, I call him, like, he was wearing a kilt. Yeah, but I wasn't racing. The <laughs> <laughs> Glenn wasn't running. Yeah. And he had a shirt on, the back of his shirt on, it says, back from Iraq. So I forget what the front of his shirt said. I said, oh, I'm glad you're back. Two. Kilt guy number two. He was yeah. running with kilt guy number one. Yeah. Yeah. I said, I'm glad you're back from Iraq. He says, so am I. <laughs> and we saw him today, too. He was, he was you know, walking beside us at one point yesterday, and then we saw him today in uh, Epcot, and I cheered, you know, I'm like, hey, I remember you. He's like, hey. You know? <laughs> so it was fun cheering people on today, you know, that were doing the, the whole marathon after and it's funny because there were yes. characters. I mean, other than the characters in the course, we got to see characters. I mean, people came with balloons, and we had signs, and, you know, I had pom-poms, and, you know. You <laughs> had pom-poms? All right, I would not do the in pom-poms. I was holding the sign, though. I was holding yeah. 
he was in charge of signs. That's right. Yes. So, but you know what? Very good cheerleader. It was so great to see Very people who <laughs> were not there for the athletic portion of it. They were there for the experience. They were there to have a good time. There were women dressed like Snow White. There were men dressed like Snow White. There were guys in kilts and Speedos. Speedos. <laughs> Fortunately, I missed Speedo guy. Um, there was Superman, there was Mr. Incredible, a Flora Fauna and Merryweather. Already. pictures of them at the beginning and at the end. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's, and that's great, is that. Well, we underdressed. And that's what we stressed, you know, through last year's show and this year's shows, is that it's such a fun event, whether you are like hardcore like Steve or, you know, Amateur runners, not even runners slash walkers, like the rest of us. No, don't call him hardcore, because <laughs> last year I said, Steve, we're going to go down to Disney World in January and we're going to cheer on Lou and Deanna. He goes, Well, I'm not going to Disney World unless I'm running. So I go into the computer. Five minutes later, I come out with a, a copy and I said, Sign this. You're going to run the half marathon. So because of you, he not not because he chose, but because of you, Lou, he ran that first half marathon. And then as soon as he was done, he said, I'm going to do the goofy. I'm going to do the goofy. I said, nah. These blisters the, on my feet are all your fault. How about it, the full marathon? He goes, nah, nah, I want the goofy. So I waited. I waited like a month, two months before I signed it up because I thought he's going to come to his senses. But apparently he is just a little goofy. Yeah. And he ran the goofy this year. And I'll tell you, I am so proud. And I, I sent texts to his sisters and got messages back. It was just a wonderful experience. Just so you know, goofy is hardcore. The fact that you ran a half the next morning, I mean, literally hours later, you come back and you run a full marathon. What was that like? What was the experience between the full and the half? How different was that for you? And then how tough was it to go from doing 13.1 right back to, to doubling that the next day? Well, the first thing I did when I got up this morning was wiggle my toes. And, and I was afraid. I crossed my fingers when I got out of bed to see how sore I was. And it wasn't too bad. I just went a lot slower uh, this morning. And uh, I did a lot of walking towards the end, though. But uh, it, it was long. Mm -hmm. Yes. How many hours did you take it? I'm not asking for a time, but like approximately, you know, how, for a first-time full marathoner. I was just uh, a couple minutes over five hours. I didn't see the exact time, but it was a little over five. I think 5.09, somewhere around there. Mm -hmm. And again, too, even the full marathon, you, you said there were a lot of people, and you saw a lot of people at the finish line that were having a great time with it. There were people who were in costume. There were people crossing the finish line with food, fortunately, with food. Yeah, yes. the guy with the beer and the turkey leg and yes, people yeah. with margaritas yeah. running. Margaritas, yes, people with margaritas at the finish line. It was pretty funny. Yeah. yeah, We were a half mile from the finish at Epcot today and it was great seeing the people that were really, for considering they had just run almost 26 miles, that they were looking pretty good and yeah. all so smiling with running with that margarita and not even sloshing it. It was pretty darn yeah. impressive. Yeah, you're a lot happier in that last mile than you are around mile 16. Is that when you were saying, you were, you know, everybody's saying, you made me do this and they seem happy. Was that when you were cursing me for making you do this? No, actually, uh, right around mile 16, I, I started doing the little walk and I was actually enjoying myself more walking fast. I was stopping and getting drinks and I could w look around. When you're running, uh, I was just kind of looking at the ground and... Uh, that's when I was cursing you. But once I started <laughs> walking, I was okay. You know, in addition to the characters that we saw and everybody having a good time, I know for me, one of the things that, for some reason I didn't think about ahead of time, but really sort of moved me, were some of the people who were on the course. Um, I, I talked about some of 
the older people and the, the people in wheelchair, wheelchairs and they were people who you know had serious physical disabilities and amputees and they were out there and they were doing it and they were having a great time and it's you know I had such a great feeling for them to you know to be able to do it and uh, you know it made me think about some of the other ancillary efforts that took place as a result of the marathon so blaming me also for some of the things that have happened like the fundraising that you guys did uh, both Tracy and Lori did their own set of fundraising to help you know the dream team project yeah hopefully I have a couple more donations coming in but we raised a good amount of money which is wonderful I mean it's gonna help a lot of kids out and we I actually made special shirts for Tracy and I wear that did the whole rip off of the MasterCard you mentioned a couple things and then the bottom line was you know making children's dreams come to priceless so a couple of people that commented on our shirts, I don't know if you heard them, but they're like, that was wonderful. Yeah, a couple of people, were, a woman before we started was like, what does your shirt say? She's like, oh, that's so great. So yeah, I raised money. A lot of my coworkers and my family did really came through. I raised over $700. So Yeah, I, I mean, so much good came out of this, not just because for your own personal challenges and being able to do this, but the fundraising that took place and you guys did it. And a lot of people donated through First Giving. Um, somebody else, you know, made it their sort of personal mission. Um, Jonathan Dichter, who's been on the show many times before, now on the All About the Mouse podcast, uh, he had his own personal journey to run in the half marathon. That wasn't just for his own sake, but but something that he wanted to do too. We met up with Jonathan and a lot of uh, and Brian and, and his listeners last night, Pat and I, um, because they had something very special. And why don't you tell them? you know, what we were presented with last night, much to our surprise. Uh, Jonathan and his team voice, who they all worked together to raise funds for Dream Team Project. They presented us, uh, for, well, with a couple things. One, if they told us about uh, one person who had just handed them $100 as a donation uh, for their efforts. Another about a little girl who had brought a plastic bag full of coins and a $10 bill and who told them that uh, this was all her money for being a good girl for over the last year and she wanted to give it to help the kids and uh, you know everyone was bawling at that point because it was you know just was such a such a sweet gesture and then he presented us with a check um, made out for uh, over $3,800 of for the Dream Team, and he says there's even a few more outstanding uh, donations there. So Dream Team Project's total will be over $50,000 after this uh, the marathon donations come in. That's amazing. And that's all thanks to you guys and everybody that donated. And, and every, all the runners who helped out, and, and we're just so proud of all of them for everything that they did and contributed and, and to make their personal uh, you know, physical efforts be something that will benefit the children so much. And I think that's just just one of the reasons that makes this such a special event is all the the good that comes of it, not just for individuals, but for for people that we don't get to see or or, or get to touch. So, and so Steve, I mean, sort of looking back, not very far, obviously, you know, on the whole experience, um, especially having done the Goofy, and you should be proud, and we are all very proud of you for what you did. Uh, Thank you. Big round of applause for Steve. Come on. Everybody at home, clap. Um, just describe the experience for you and what this kind of meant for you. 
Well, it meant a lot. I'm, I'm going to be 50 in a couple months, so it was one of those things I wanted to do. But uh, I had so much fun last year doing the half, and I, I wanted to do the whole marathon, and I, I just couldn't give up doing the half because it was so much fun. So, uh, But I wanted to thank uh, my family for supporting me through all that and coming here and cheering me on and uh, my friends here because that means so much when you're running. And uh, also... The uh, volunteers are amazing for this. I can't imagine anybody but Disney getting that kind of volunteers. Everywhere you go, they're clapping for you, and they always have a smile on your face. And uh, even when you're in the back areas where there's uh, where there's cast members only, they're they're back there. And uh, the cast members and volunteers are just tremendous. They just support you the whole way, and it's just so well run. And uh, it really does leave an impression. And for the uh, one of my best experiences last year after the half, you take the, the runner's bus back to the hotel and you come out of the bus with your medal and all the cast members clap for you. The, the greeter inside the hotel claps for you. The, everybody, all the cast members inside all clap and you just think you just uh, won the Olympics and it's just such a great feeling. Well, you see that happening, and we all—I see—we're all doing it. Beach club. We walked in the beach club today with our with our medals on because we're never taking them off, <laughs> and uh, the cast member was clapping for us. And you know, when yeah. we came in, I asked us about training. He's like, "I'm going to do that next year. What do I need to do? When do I need to start training?" And even people you pass in the parks, you know, they're like, "Congratulations!" and you know, "Good job!" And you know, we're saying it back to you know everybody we're walking by today, and it's it's amazing how everybody has that camaraderie. It's right very now. unique how the, this marathon or half marathon brings together all these people, and then you see them again over the course of the weekend several times. Mm -hmm. So you get to see them, oh, hi again, oh, congratulations, and all that stuff. But, you know, if you're in the, running a New York City marathon and you recognize somebody that you saw, you should turn and run the other way. <laughs> so, But it, it's really great. You get to support people, and you get to, you know, people get to know each other, and you run into them throughout at the parks, etc. Really great. And what was it like for you? Because you sort of have a very different, I mean, you didn't, fortunately, you were smart enough not to get up at 3 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> but you see, see it from a, a somewhat different perspective, and you videotaped it, and you sort of watched all of us, and then you were also at the finish line. What was the experience like for you? Uh, it's actually very eye-opening, because as I'm sitting there watching for people that I recognize, I start to notice what a large world this is, you know, seeing all these different personalities, all these different people running for different causes, some of them just for fun, some to raise money. Uh, and it's very telling, you seeing somebody with a prosthetic limb running through, and, and it makes you think, wow, these are, this is something that's really, people are really passionate about. And these are, every single one of these people has their own journey. And it's not always one thing, it's not always, we just want to finish this race to go get lunch which is what I would have been running for. So. Or a beer at the Rosen Crown. Right. For some people, the medal, some people crossing the finish line is the ultimate goal. For some people, it's getting that hardware. For Steve, it was a beer at Rosen Crown. And Doppel, you should have had it. You know, that's exactly what you should have. And I'm not putting anybody, of course, on the spot. But I know for me, the marathon weekend, especially after, after seeing it from both sides now, has gained a new level of importance for me. Like, that I know... This isn't something, well, maybe I'm going to come to next year. I know I'll be here in, in some form or fashion, and I'm not committing to anything. Um, <laughs> but what about you? I mean, is this something that you would do again, or is this, was this sort of your, you, I, I've, done, I've done it, I, I've, I've done the goofy, I've done the half, or even something that you would just recommend other people do? Oh, everybody should try it once. 
I don't know if I would ever do it again. Definitely not the goofy. <laughs> no way. Um, maybe a half sometime, but I don't know. I think it would lose that excitement. Like, you know, you did it once, and now I'd be like, oh, okay, well, I know this is going to happen. But I don't know. Next step for me is Tower of Terror Race, so it's a whole different thing. And that's the thing. I think you don't do this and be like, wow, I'm going to start doing half marathons all over the country. It's I like doing it because it's here. Yes. And I like because of the event here. Like, I know you put me on the spot. You backed the bus over, but I will be doing the Tower of Terror <laughs> With you on, and I'm really looking forward because I see the way the races are done, and it's not about can I finish a 13k. It's I want to see what Disney's going to have. I want that experience of having people cheer and seeing Glenn at the finish line and all that. Because <laughs> I know, I mean, unless of course you want to. I think he did it on the last <laughs> show that he was doing it. No, that was Tim Foster. Yeah, him too. We got to keep him on that. That wasn't me. <laughs> now, now you've done it. You, you've done the goofy. You've done the half. You've done the full. Is there something you would do again, or is it I've done it and it, I've checked it off my sort of. Well, about uh, the nine-mile post yesterday, I thought, I don't want to run anymore. But then uh, today, the same thing. I, I got and I said, this is just too long. I'm not going to do it again. But even just this day not being over yet, I'm thinking I, I might want to try it again. Especially, I think your wife might want to do it next year. So, <laughs> Yeah, she, I, think I, heard, I think I heard about that um, <laughs> as well. <laughs> but, you know, and that's the thing. It, it's uh, it's right. not it's so not about those two three four five hours of the marathon. It's the whole weekend, and you talk about seeing the same people over and over again, and and it just being see people are congratulating people who are walking by. People are walking into jelly rolls with their medals on. Good for you, girls. That's wrong. Out of way. All, all dolled up wearing the medals. I did have a, a moment today uh, when you're finishing, since it was my first marathon. It meant so much to me, and when uh, the girl went to put on my uh, goofy medal, uh, even though I was saying thank you to the people all day, I could barely get it out. You know, it was it was pretty emotional it when they're putting that on. Tracy and I, like right towards the end, we mean we held hands, we put our hands up, we crossed the finish line together, and we crossed. And like I'm, I don't know if you're crying, I was crying, and our friend Andy who came in like right with us, you know, he comes over and he's practically crying and. It's a very emotional thing. Like I said, mile 12, I was like a ball and baby. I just wanted to be done. But it's, yeah, it's a lot of emotions. You're happy. You're, it's all over the board. And I'm telling you, from our perspective, like I felt that, I'll admit it, I felt that way as well. Like I was emotionally choked up for you because I knew what you were going through. And other people, I was happy to see them cross for whatever reason that you could maybe see as part of their physical thing. And that's why seeing it from a spectator side, was such an exciting thing for me. And I think people should come down, even if you don't know anybody, come, you don't have to even formally volunteer, just come down and cheer. And you don't have to get up at 3 o'clock. You can go to the finish line. People would love to see you there. Yeah. Well, it starts out, it starts out that you're here because you're here to cheer on your husband and your friends. And then something happens. You start seeing these people, and it's not always just the guy dressed like Minnie Mouse or the Tinkerbell or the Peter Pan. Individual faces and names and then you see them again because you, you know, you go from the Magic Kingdom that you go over to Epcot or you go down to the Animal Kingdom, each place. You go, oh, I remember them. And then today it was like, oh, I remember them from yesterday. You know, and, and then you can also tell which ones are doing the goofy and you cheer them on more because you know what they were through, went through yesterday. But it, it just grows and blossoms into a whole experience that it, it's hard to describe. But next year, we're actually going, my daughter's going to run. So he will run another half with my daughter next year. How's that bus feel? Congratulations. <laughs> the one that just backed up over again. 
uh, coming down to cheer and, and being there to support your friends and your family, it, it's a really great experience. If you are coming down this weekend, marathon weekend, though, just for a vacation, I think people should be aware just that it really does impact uh, the Disney experience. Uh, you do have 80s dance music blaring in the Magic Kingdom while the runners are running through, which was which really pretty awesome. darn that cool, awesome. but it was also uh, very you know, very early and very strange. And we were in Epcot after opening with 80s pop music blaring. And um, that was... showcase music, they were fighting. Yeah, the that music had a little bizarre. Yeah. yeah, they had two sets of music going at the same time, which was very strange. But um, <laughs> definitely, I mean, walking uh, out of my hotel room uh, this morning, I was at Riverside, and I could hear the cheering and the screaming coming from the Magic Kingdom. And that was really in the music blaring from there. So, I mean, you're, you're, it does impact... If you're coming for a Disney vacation, road closures in the morning, a lot of traffic. Um, it is definitely, there was, you know, a whole lot of extra people. I mean, Magic Kingdom Saturday afternoon was a zoo. Um, a 10-minute line for the TTA, that's like practically unheard of these. But it was, uh, that's what we had. Uh but it's definitely something people should be aware of. It's great. Come down and cheer. World Showcase was not opened on time, or it was, but you had to, you know, dodge runners to get from where you were, you know, going and stuff. So if you're coming down just for a vacation, you might want to think twice about Marathon Weekend. But if you want to support people or even just come down and feel, you know, be a part of that excitement, then, uh, you know, do a little homework before you make your reservations. It's a great point. It's a great point because it definitely does impact but one thing that I liked about that is in the Magic Kingdom hours after the race was over you, you were talking about that look you saw the mm -hmm. people with the medals you're still congratulating everybody and we actually had a meet over at the noodle station uh, on Saturday afternoon sort of one of the first meets of the month and uh, I was so happy to see how many people came there wearing their medals and even today you know the day of the full marathon people from the half are still wearing theirs you guys with the goofies wearing them with, with pride uh, and so many people from the noodle station uh, that were just so happy. And, and one thing that was really nice was that when people came over, they were very happy that they did it. And that's when I was really happy to see that they had the same kind of experience that I did. They were done. They were happy they were done, right? Done, yeah. Done and walking. But, but so. There were also still people that were also walking around. We were, were tuned into it because we were here for the marathon. And I think we were, you know, we are the ones walking around congratulating people wearing medals. And I got congratulated several times just because I was wearing my lanyard. Uh, I didn't have a medal. It was yellow. But they matched. I was with two medal winners and I had a lanyard. And hey, congratulations. Like, yeah, I cheered great. Um, but, but there were other people that I did see that had, you know, they were just down here on vacation and really didn't know what was going on or why there were people walking around with medals on and you know what the heck is going on with yeah, I think all of this asked me, like where, where did, what did you do how did you get that yeah you know where can I buy one of those <laughs> we had a very sweet moment last year we were uh, in the food court over at the land and this very sweet little old lady came, came up to my husband and said oh, are you the winner <laughs> and he said they're beautiful medals they, they are and he said well we all get a medal for for finishing she finished she was very sweet and very she was very very nice to us dude that was your opportunity like yes i came in first i did finish. <laughs> it's not emails like michael phelps but you know i like mine but it was that same feeling you got when you when you leaned over like steve said and yeah. they put it on you you must have felt like a million dollars all the pain went away at that one second 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, the blister pain went away, the soreness. It was all... We were very glad we got to the end and there were medals left. We were talking about being choked up, I think. Once I came around the bend, you can see the finish line. That's when I started getting choked up. It was like, oh, my God, I really did it, you know. There's the finish line. I swore last year that I wouldn't do it. And the only time I did was when I came around the bend and I see Glenn, away from the rest of the pack, perched up on some sort of contraption or hanging from a tree, videotaping... (laughs) And that's when it, that's when it kind of hit me. So, thank you. Oh, it was great, and, <laughs> and I lo- that's what I have to do. I usually do run the marathons, but this one I decided I would stay back and provide tree hanging service. <laughs> I think you do run because you you know it's like where's Waldo? Where's Glenn? Like where are you going to pop up on the course videotaping people? So we actually have a tree, a Glenn tree now. <laughs> right. Yeah. See, I can't wait to see the Glenn video. Like when we came around and we saw like you guys at the Glenn tree, like I happened to slightly turn and realize like. Our friend Andy, like, literally just came up behind us, and I was like, oh, my God, where'd you come from? And it was, like, this amazing moment that I hadn't seen him, like, the whole time, and then, bam, he's literally just right there. Because, you know, you're walking, there's people you're thinking about, and it's like, I wonder if they're, you know, did they finish? Are they okay? I hope, you know, they get there. And then out of the blue, he was just, like, right there, and it was a very wild, surreal, great moment before we even got to the finish line. And then we ran to beat him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we decided, you know, he suddenly caught up to us. He was not beating us to the finish line. We then we ran. Yeah, there's that moment where you're like, okay, I, I'm not going to get swept. I'm not going to collapse on the course. Now I either have to beat a time or beat that guy. Well, once we got into Epcot, we decided, well, the bus cannot the get bus in the park that we were golden. We <laughs> knew we couldn't be swept anymore. The bus couldn't possibly get in no. the park. But it was good to know there was people behind us and that we weren't actually the last the, ones. A couple of hundred, apparently. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. my mom says there was 12,400 and some odd people that did it, and we were like 12,200 and something that finished. But you know what? I think it didn't matter. It didn't matter. But you know what? I don't even, I think, and, I, and I'm not just saying, I think it's not even a matter of finishing. I think for the people that took that plunge and decided, I'm going to register, or in your case, Val, I'm going to register my husband, and I'm going to do it, and I'm going to lace up my shoes, and I'm going to get up, and I and you hit. I think walking past the starting line is more important than walking past the finish line. It is. And for those people that got swept, um, you know, especially some, I, I talked to him, and I said, you know, but you did it. You, you, you committed yourself to doing it, and you got yourself in shape, and you lost something, and you got through the Magic Kingdom, because everything after that is really all downhill. Up, you know, literally and figuratively, except the Epcot thing. <laughs> and they should be proud of the fact that they did what most other people don't. And uh, they at least try. Yeah. They at least train. We go, and that's why we cheer them on because it, it's something you know they should be very proud of. I mean, if I could do it, if Lou can do it, anybody yeah. can do it. That's what we kept saying the whole way. With my little <laughs> legs, with my little legs, it takes me like. Three times as many steps as it does a normal oh, person had like Steve. I've tried to keep up with you in the parks, Lou. No, little legs have no, you, you can't pull that one, no. There's two other aspects to the marathon that I wanted to ask a couple of you guys about that you were able to experience that, that I didn't do either as a spectator or as a runner. And first, for the runners, um, you treated yourselves to really a, kind of an add-on experience to the marathon, which was the race retreat. Uh, tell us a little about what it was and then what, what kind of goes on in there and if you thought it was worth it. I like to thank Lori because she actually treated me to the race retreat. She paid for it for me. But um, it was great. You had food before the marathon. It was warmer in there than outside in the parking lot. Uh, there was a nice cushy couch we were sitting in beforehand. Um, uh, 
it's a bag check, you know, private bag check in the, so it's less people in the bag check area and private porta potties. <laughs> that alone was worth the money to have like the very limited porta potties that, you know, you didn't run out of toilet paper. There wasn't like a 10 minute line. And it was cold in the morning too. It was very, it was cold. very I, cold in the morning. I thought there's people sitting in that place. I'll go in there and there's these big bouncers. They wouldn't let me in. Yeah, no, you had to have a special wristband, but there was characters in there. Now we didn't, you know, get in line because there was a huge line to see them, but like Mickey and Minnie and Donald, Goofy and Pluto were in there and there was what bagels and fruit and coffee you know, drinks, but yeah, the nice big black leather couches were like wonderful after you had been up, you know, bright and early in the morning. And, you know, a couple of people we knew came in and you could talk to them, but it wasn't as crowded. And but. So it was something before and after the race, how much yeah. did it cost and sort of, you know, do you think it was worth it? Um, it was like about a hundred bucks, I think, $95 or a hundred. Like I said, I think it was worth it just to have the private porta potties. But yeah, I mean, I think it was worth it. You know, it was a little bit warmer in there. It was more, it was comfortable um, afterwards. But there was like bacon and eggs and potatoes, wow. some muffins and that. So they fed you and you could get like massages in there too. And oh, and we got special flip flops and a towel wow. when we went in. You know, it's like after a concierge race. level for runners. Yeah, pretty. Yeah, you know. So, but it was it was nice. I don't know if I would do it again, but you know, for the I wanted to. Do, you know, it was the first time. Maybe the only time I was doing this, I was going to do it right. So it was it was really nice. And something else that we talked about in the spectator strategy planning session was some of the technology that Disney had in place for people that were going down to cheer. And one of them was the runner tracking, the electronic runner tracking that you can do on your cell phone, which has been sort of dubbed the Steve-O-Meter. Uh, <laughs> Pat, you plugged it in for a number, you were, you were tracking a number of runners. What did you think about the technology? How easy was it? Uh, how accurate was it? And, and how you used it throughout the race? Um. It was very easy to use to set to set it up. All I had to do was uh, log in. I did it a few days before the race. I entered the names of the runners that I wanted to track, and whether I wanted it as a page, a text message, or an email. And it was great if you know if you wanted your you know folks at home to follow you. You could have the, them emailed, or if you're standing there, you could have text messages sent, and uh, whatever plan worked best for you. And I think I was tracking seven runners on the half marathon and uh, two or three during the full. And uh, for the half, it was a little frustrating because they tracked it in, in K. They, they pointed, you know, they oh, they passed the 5K point and it, well, the mile markers are in miles. So we were trying to do math at six o'clock in the morning, which wasn't working. Normally. But when you get up at 2.30 in the morning and you get to the park at 5, I'm like, I'm telling my kids, get out your cell phone and do the math for us. <laughs> that was a little, yeah, little, little fuzzy-headed at that point to be trying to figure out how many kilometers are in a mile or miles and kilometers and which way did the numbers go. But, uh, but it was helpful to know that, one, they were still running and, two, that they, you know, were somewhere on the way to where we were. Uh, with the full marathon... It was in miles. They said pass the five mile, the ten mile, fifteen, twenty, and uh, finish. And it's nice because it delivered the finish times right to us, so we knew, you know, he, hey, he finished in you know this amount of time. Um, other than having to constantly check it, and when you're looking to check the where are they and missing all the faces that are running by, uh, I managed to miss one of my runners I was tracking going by a couple times, but. Uh, it, it was very handy. It was very useful to, to have that sort of a um, 
little you know bit of information, some a clue that you know okay, make sure we're really looking now because the person we're looking for is you know should be here any minute now. Because sometimes they come by in packs, and unless they yeah. know where you are, you really have to keep your eyes open for them or have. Like, we had signs and pom-poms. and I kept calling and go, where are you guys at? So we made sure we were, like, on the right side of the road. So we knew we'd see. I mean, I knew we would see the big sign, but I'm, like, calling you a mile ahead. Okay, now, where are you at? You know, we're coming, so we get to see you. And it was kind of nice. Right, but we didn't do that for everybody. No, yeah. You know, some of our... WDW radio team pit crew can always be found at Lou's spot in Magic Kingdom. That that will be a really somebody will be there yes, <laughs> and but no you know we where we were uh, towards the finish or uh, today at the half marathon when we were uh, half a mile from the finish was a place that nobody really expected us to be which was I think kind of nice for the runners to you know oh surprise here we are uh, but at the same time that we really had to be on the lookout to try and find the people that we were looking for and the, the last update was at 20 miles and okay, um, he's running at this pace, that means he'll be here, then here, then here, then here, then... Uh, I think we got 30 minutes. <laughs> and I think that was part of the fun. I mean, believe it or not, getting up in those ungodly hours and running around was part of the fun, you know, the, the, the quest and the journey to find the runners where they are. Um, and I think, you know, we all sort of have similar but different experiences, but we all agree that it's... I use the word surreal, and it really is, um, from both sides of the coin. I think it's, it's an amazing experience that whether you're thinking about doing the half marathon or coming down to cheer somebody on or maybe just coming down to cheer on total strangers or, you know, look or just want to see what it's like for yourself. I think we all agree that it is, if you think that you've done everything in Walt Disney World, this weekend as a whole is very different than anything that you might have experienced. Oh, definitely. And all of this stuff, the technology, keeping track of everybody, videotaping everybody, chasing everybody around, it really builds up your appetite. <laughs> and we'll have a separate, you know, probably a, a marathon-length segment all about the food yeah. that Glenn and I experienced over the weekend. The top 37 places to eat immediately after, and the top 10 not to eat immediately after. The Spring Canyon skillets. Best places to carb load after the marathon <laughs> is another way to look at it as well. Uh, but runners both here who are you know joining me now and who might be listening congratulations to you guys i am very proud of you you should be very very proud of yourselves to everybody else that went out and cheered in the cold and woke up and made it possible for you guys to finish you should be proud uh, of what you guys did because i think like you said it makes all the difference in the world and if you are thinking about it um clearly the marathon is something that, that you should and would like to thank our driver who came to eventually did get to the right hotel, even though he was cursing me at three o'clock in the morning when he was waking up. Well, you told me Beach like Club, but you were that. staying at the Yacht Club. I understand. No, I, no, I said the Yacht Club. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I was not only Cabana Boy this weekend, but I was also your limousine driver. Yes. So, yeah. and uh, and now I will treat you all to, um, well, I won't a song, but a, maybe a, a drink or so to celebrate at Jelly Rolls. <laughs> Oh, no, not, a <laughs> not a song. Trust me, you don't want to hear me sing. So, have you lost that loving feeling? You know you're my brown-eyed girl, don't you? But I have blue eyes. <laughs> Listen, it was the only song I could think of. I know. So, but Lori, Pat, Tracy, Glenn, Val, Steve, thank you all so much for joining me on the on the recap. Congratulations to all you guys uh, for everything that you guys accomplished this weekend. Ha, ha, ha.
It's been way too long since we opened up the email inbox, and uh, it's all Becky's fault. <laughs> I, I'm kidding, of course. Great. My apologies. It is all my fault. Uh, there's just been so much going on with so many different events and things we had to cover. Just haven't had time to get to some of your emails. But we do have lots and lots to get to, and I do want to welcome back Becky Mankin from Mouse Fan Travel to, uh, to join me as we address your listener questions. Well, thanks, Lou. Again, glad to be back. Thanks for the invite. Yeah, we listen, we have a lot of, of questions to get to, and uh, and I promise you that food will be involved in each and every one of them, whether they're about parking lots or not. So we, we will find a way to incorporate it. <laughs> of course, that is in my rider, right? Anytime I come on the show, something's got to be about food. Got to justify the research trips. Okay, good. Excellent. <laughs> All right, let's get cracking. The first email said, hey, Lou, love the show. Been listening for about a month. Been enjoying the Where in the World on Facebook as well. You're a great and tremendous resource for my October trip next year. A few questions. What kind of rates are available to AAA customers at Disney World? I've heard that AAA customers can receive a discount on the Disney dining plan. Is this true? Also, if you book through a travel agency, are you going to be paying more than if you book through Disney to cover their commissions? Will travel agents honor AAA rates? I hope you're writing this down, Becky. I know that. <laughs> now, listen, I know that travel agents, such as Mouse Fan Travel, Woo-hoo! are the way to go. <laughs> he wrote that, not me. She wrote that, not me. <laughs> Keep up the great work. I look forward to another great show next week. And that comes from Brooke in Kentucky. Becky, there's like six questions in there, primarily centering around AAA discounts. Absolutely. And and Brooke, thank you so much for the question. And by the way, you're you're my new best friend. Thanks for mentioning <laughs> us as well. This gives me a great chance to clear up a little confusion about working up uh, working with agencies because there is a lot of confusion out there. Uh, first on AAA, they have a marketing agreement with Disney where they actually pay for the ability to offer some discounts. However, it must be or the the package discounts must be booked through them. I guess it's the benefits of big business, but um, however any agent or any agency that you can book the hotel room reservation. So in other words, if you're doing a hotel room only and you're looking for the AAA rate, um, any agency can help you with those. However, it's just some of those um, discounts have to be booked through AAA. So you're going to have to check with your travel agent to be sure which can and cannot be booked uh, through AAA. But one of the biggest misconceptions is that you always pay more when you book with a travel agent. Um, While it's true that some travel agencies charge fees for their service, others, like Mouse Fan Travel, are fee-free. So the trip actually costs the same or many times less than if you book direct with Disney. Plus, you get all the added benefits that an agent can provide. For example, uh, we provide itinerary planning, dining and tour arrangements, uh, as well as we proactively check when new offers come out so that we can apply the code to your booking later on if, if Disney will allow us. So you're essentially price protected. Um, not all agencies offer the same services and some charge fees as well as cancellation fees above and beyond the supplier. So my advice is to really shop around, ask about fees and services before you book. But the, the biggest thing for you to understand is that Disney pays us um, part of, uh, of the commission or our, our commissions based on um, the amount of the package. So you're not actually paying more f- uh, if you work with a travel agency, it's just what they decide to add in terms of fees. And, and I just have a, a quick question I, that I was thinking about as I read the email from Brooke. Uh, generally speaking, and I'm not—I don't mean to put you on the spot because I don't—I ha- know you don't have it in front of you. But how would maybe AAA rates compare 
with something like annual pass holder rates? I mean, is there much of a difference, you know, that might justify even an annual pass holder looking into maybe going the AAA route? You know, honestly, I, I've seen them a little better, but not that much. I've actually been uh, more successful with the uh, annual pass rates at some times of the year. However, of course, all of these rates are also based on availability as well. I have to throw that out. They're not available all the time on every date, much like the AP rates. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, the next question comes from Robert Mangum. And Robert doesn't fool around. No Hey Lou, no Love the Show. February 2009 discounts. You have any information on when they're coming out? Done. They're out. <laughs> we have discounts for February travel that are out now, including the buy four, get three free com- promotion that um, was set to expire at the end of December, but they did extend that. And uh, right now it's going to expire on the 24th of January. But there are also some room only discounts that are available. And I think that those begin for travel around the middle of February, I want to say the 16th, um, with values starting at around 74 a night, I believe. And that's got a book buy of February 4th. Awesome. And does that, does the buy four still three, does the extension still give you the $200 gift card as well? Yes, it sure does. And that's for travel in January, February, or, um, or parts of March as well. And you get that $200 gift card, which is just an outstanding value. Uh, right there, there's your souvenirs. There's your dining right there. Yeah. And by the way, Becky, we, I got food into this question and the one before because they have to get <laughs> discounts on the dining plan. So I'm oh. too. <laughs> you don't let me down. For some reason, you've just managed to throw the food in there. <laughs> All right. The next question says, Lou, my wife and I are planning our honeymoon in Disney and we'll be staying at the Boardwalk Villas. Very nice. And have many of our dining. There you go. And show arrangements <laughs> already set up. This is actually a delayed honeymoon as we canceled our originally scheduled trip last year when my father got sick and passed away suddenly one week before our wedding. My wife was so incredible during that time that I wanted to make this honeymoon as special as possible for her. I've researched several opportunities, but would love your guidance on some additional information on the following. They're almost all centered around food and fireworks, so (laughs) clearly you are the one to turn to for answers. Clearly. First... We are dining at the California Grill, awesome, at 9 p.m. one night, with the hopes of catching the Magic Kingdom fireworks from there. How should we go about getting the best table possible to see the fireworks during dinner? Well, you know, let's hit these one at a time, Becky. Sure. Uh, I've got two words for you, Mater D and cash. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding because that probably will not work. Yeah, how about um, patience and uh, getting there early? <laughs> yeah. Basically, I would say that it's a very popular request, obviously, and they don't guarantee requests when you call in. So if you're looking for the coveted window side table, my best advice is to arrive maybe 20 minutes prior, 30 minutes prior, believe it or not, and ask for the window and tell them that you're willing to wait. But of course, if you do that, you need to be patient because your wait could be much longer than the the typical 10 to 15 minutes for, um, for your ADR. But even if they can't accommodate your request, the view from the outside patio is spectacular. So you're definitely going to have a magical experience up up there regardless for that meal. And be sure to let them know, too, that this is a honeymoon celebration. That's exactly what I was going to say. And and also, too, don't be so concerned if you don't get a window seat. Because the view from most places in the restaurant is very, very good. Um, And you can see it from a lot of places. So... Uh, but, you know, he says his, he's dining at 9 p.m., which mm-hmm. I, I don't know exactly when it is. You know, if that is when Wishes is going to start, 
I'm sure they'll let you up a little bit early so you can go out on the on the um, on the balcony and watch from there even before you eat, and that doesn't really matter where you sit at that point. Right, or if it is a 9 p.m. show, you might want to call uh, back to your Disney dining and see if there's an earlier seating time that, that has come available for you as well, just just to make sure that you're kind of settled with your with your drink in hand. Excellent. His next question says, you mentioned in a prior podcast the possibility of having the Grand Floridian set up a private table on the beach during wishes. You're going to blow your wife's mind away. Is mm. it possible to set this up even if we're not staying at the Floridian? And where should I call to do so? Well, you might have some more information on this than I do from your last podcast, but um, I I do know, or I have heard, I've heard the legend, that they do offer a private dining experience. It's over in the alcove that overlooks the Seven Seas Lagoon. Um, however, I really don't know if you have to stay there to be able to to book this experience. Um, the... I know that it comes from the menu. You can either do the private dining menu, or I believe you can also order off Citricos or Narcusis, and they offer um, a, 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 some choices from those menus. But there is a phone number that you can call to make these arrangements. I will see if I can get my hands on it. I'm My apologies, I don't have it right I'm at my fingertips right now, but Lou, I'll give that to you later so you can post it to the show notes. Awesome. And uh, listen, if it doesn't work out, you could always go to the Polynesian, go to Captain Cook's, grab a uh, a pizza and a Dole Whip, and go sit on the beach and watch <laughs> it right from there. So There you go. <laughs> Third question says, in order to stay in the Magic Kingdom on an extended hours night so that we can enjoy the fireworks and then the extended hours, I made reservations at the plaza. Food once again. Cinderella's <laughs> Royal Table is not available that night. Are there any other Magic Kingdom recommendations you might have? I think right. the plaza is a nice choice. I think, the, I think I, a I lot like, of people overlook the plaza. I do, but I actually have uh, Tony's Town Square is one of my favorites that tends to be a little overlooked as well. For me personally, I sometimes forget it's actually there because of the first time I walk into the Magic Kingdom, I completely you know, am, am centered on running to get a fast pass somewhere. And I forget that the restaurant is right there off to the right-hand side. But, um, but that's one of my favorites as well. And there's also Liberty Tree um, mm-hmm. as well. But I ate at the plaza just a couple of days ago, actually. Uh, try the Reuben. It's excellent. So. <laughs> so he says, finally, the only non-food-related item, we can skip this. Um, skip, can yeah. You, <laughs> can you th- go through some brief pros and cons of the two water parks to help us decide which we would like to visit during our trip? Um, I think they're both awesome, honestly, Becky. It, mm-hmm. it goes to theming. It goes to what you're looking for. Um, I sometimes tell people... Blizzard Beach over Typhoon Lagoon because if you want, you can actually make a nice day out of it. Go to Blizzard Beach in the morning, do some swimming, get something to eat, and then go walk right over to Winter Summerland and play some mini golf. And I, I, like you said, it comes down to the theming and kind of what you're looking for in terms of your activities as well. Typhoon Lagoon has, of course, the very popular wave pool, but it, the the Lazy River. Again, it's sometimes a little bit more relaxing over there than Blizzard Beach because, of course, uh, just looking at the Summit Plummet over at B- Blizzard Beach and that, what is it, 120 feet, something like that, it makes my heart race and isn't a very relaxing experience for me whatsoever. Um, <laughs> however, the water parks, both of them are very comparable, and I, I actually like them both a lot. I agree. So thank you for the multiple food questions. Um, <laughs> next comes from Ben and Brittany in Fayetteville, Arkansas, and they say, Lou, my wife and I are taking a last-minute trip to Disneyland. 
While we're veterans of Walt Disney World, this will be our first trip to Disneyland. We never have any concerns about staying at an unfamiliar hotel on Walt Disney World property because we trust Disney to hold themselves to a very high standard. We don't have this kind of trust in hotels not owned by Disney. I was wondering if you, and maybe Becky, he said it on me, could tell us what kind of standards the Good Neighbor hotels have and what we could expect as far as Disney quality experience at one of the Good Neighbor Economy hotels that we would get comparable at a Disney Valley Resort. Thanks for the help and love the show. This one is, is kind of tricky. I know that Disney has minimum standards in terms of quality and service that, that must be reached to carry the good neighbor seal of approval. Um, however, it's really tough to compare them to an actual Disney resort. Personally, in Disneyland, I prefer to stay in the Disney Magic, and you can really find some good rates at the Paradise Pier especially, sometimes even at the Disneyland Hotel. Um, always price them out so you can compare because you might be surprised that they actually do fit within your budget. However, there are some good options if you're watching your budget in, in terms of the Good Neighbor Hotels, but I would really do some research. Look at the hotel websites or better yet, talk with a vacation planner for their thoughts and feedback on what Disneyland Good Neighbor Resorts are, are going to be best for you in terms of the location, quality, cost. They're all factors to look into to ensure that they're going to meet your needs. But it, it really is difficult in that location to try to compare them to a, a value resort because at the values, you still do get the literally the di Disney difference um, with the service, with the, uh, the standards and so forth. It's not that you're going to find a bad experience at a good neighbor hotel. Um, at Disneyland, you're just going to find a different experience. So if you're really looking for the Disney magic, um, really do your research, talk to a vacation planner, make sure that it's going to fit your needs or stay at one of the Disney hotels. Yeah, I agree. Um, on a couple of my trips to Disneyland last year, I was able to stay at Paradise Pier, which was very nice. And for a couple of nights, I actually stayed across the street from, I mean, literally across the street <laughs> from the entrance to Disneyland at a Best Western. Mm -hmm. And it was clean. It was a nice room. It was the ultimate inconvenience because I think my walk to the front gate was actually shorter from there than it was from Paradise Pier. Uh, but again, it is a hotel. It's a, you know, hotel motel. And there's not a lot of the magic and the sparkle and the things that you're looking for. Um, but again, it's convenient. It, it, it was very, very inexpensive. And if budget is something that you're looking for. And if you're like me and spend zero time in your hotel room other than to sleep for an hour or two and shower... Um, that might be a way to go. Exactly. I, I completely agree with that. And I've stayed in a couple that are right across the street. I wasn't planning on spending any time in my room whatsoever. I think I actually stayed at the Fairfield Inn, which I really enjoyed. But it is a, a motel situation that you can walk right out. There's, yeah, the good old, uh, um, <laughs> the McDonald's is right there if you want a, a quick snack and you walk across the street and you're right there at the gate. So there, there are definitely some benefits. Nice way of incorporating food. I was going to talk about Denny's, which is open 24 hours, which is which is always nice. But yeah, and, and there's a bunch of, I mean, there's there's a whole row of, of hotels mm -hmm. right there. Um, there's one, people have told me many, many times, Candy Cane Inn. You know, it sounds like yikes, but it's, it's very, very nice. And they're all within walking distance. So yeah, definitely do your research. You can always find pictures of these hotels online too. And I highly, highly recommend looking at right. some of the pictures so you know what you're getting into. And thank you for mentioning the Candy Cane Inn because that is one of the most popular ones. It is. It used to be, hopefully it still is, I might be speaking out of turn here, but I believe it's still family owned. Um, a lot of care is put into that property. It's, it's a good one to look at. 
True. And and one thing the other two I noticed is that a lot of these hotels, including the Best Western, you can actually buy your park tickets right there at the uh, right at the hotel. So if you want to get, true. I don't know how the prices differ, but you can get right. tickets there. But now that we're we're talking about that as well, it, the Good Neighbor Hotels, if you're looking for a package and tickets, Disneyland is also offering a, a lot of money-saving offers so you can book a package uh, through your vacation planner or through Disney themselves that will um, roll in one of the Good Neighbor Hotels and your tickets. And some of them are offering gift cards and other perks, too, even if you stay off-site. So there's a lot of benefits there, too. Just do your research. Well, you know what this question is begging, of course. What? A research trip. Ah, <laughs> I'm all for that. When are we going? <laughs> all right. Next question is from Mike in Millbury, Massachusetts. He said, Lou, love the show. My wife and I listen every week. I have a quick question. My family is visiting the world in November. My oldest daughter will be just over the age of three. I know as far as tickets go, if you're under three, you get in for free. I was curious as to how strict they are in regards to age. Will they ask for some form of proof? We'd like to also sign her up for the Bibbidi Bobbidi Boutique, which is for children three and older. So if she enters the park without paying, will she be able to participate in this? Thanks for your time, Luke. Keep up the great work. Mike, um, you know, as far as getting into the park, uh, I, too, have been in the same situation twice. I have a three-year-old and a five-year-old. There, obviously, there is no proof. Uh, you're not going to be required to show a birth certificate for your children. I think Disney really at this point is banking on the honor system. Um, you've got to use your own judgment. You know, if she is one day over three, well, okay, maybe not. But, you know, you know the age of your child and you know that if they're over three, you should get them a ticket. Um, you know, and, and, if, and if your child, you know, is, is starting to grow a beard, they might question whether or not they really are, are under. As far as being three or older to get into the Bibbidi Bobbidi Boutique, I don't think one necessarily uh, relies on the other. Uh, I think it's the same thing. I think if your child is you know, two years and 363 days, but we'll sit in the seat and let them do their thing. That might not be a problem, but definitely when you go in, discuss it with them as well. Yeah, Lou, that's a really great point. <laughs> uh, sorry, Lou. I was just trying to figure out a way to incorporate food and I can't, I, I was not fast enough. <laughs> well, when you take her to Cinderella's Royal table, as long as you're doing the full princess thing for her, um, again, Mickey bar. Mickey bar that you want to make sure not no, to no, spill no, no, no. it on the dress. Clearly, I was going to say clearly you can't go Mickey bar and Bibbidi Bobbidi <laughs> boutique because that that's a you don't have young children so you don't know the mess. Um, <laughs> All right, good point. Moving right, on. Moving on. <clears throat> Next question says Lou. I had a couple of questions I was hoping you could answer. Next year, the Mrs. and I are going down to Walt Disney World in May for ten glorious days to celebrate our sixth wedding anniversary. Congratulations. My questions to you are number one. Have you heard if Mickey's Pirate and Princess Party is going to be returning in 2009, Ms. Mankin? Last time I asked, I was told that there were no plans for them to return in 2009, but that it was always subject to change. So you might have more recent information than I do. Uh, obviously, they're going to uh, respond to guest feedback uh, to bring it back or not. But the last official information I was told that they were not. Wow. I was not aware one way or the other if there was a sort of commitment um, either way. So um, it's a shame. I, I kind of like the Princess Party. I think um, I, I think young kids especially uh, really enjoyed it. But who knows? I think there's, you know, when they when one of these things goes away, there's usually something else waiting in the wings to sort of, 
you know, maybe surpass that. So with the whole what will you celebrate coming up this year, who knows what they might have planned. Mm, Very true. Very true. More importantly, as he says, on the evening of May 16th, here you go. Is there anything <laughs> romantic that you can re- recommend to us to go to dinner? Woohoo! Sit back, relax, because here we go. We've already, we have relatively simple tastes and have already seen the menu for California Grill and can tell you that's really not for us. Hopefully you can answer these for me. Great job on the show. Looking forward to the next audio guide. Seeing you next year at Magic Meets. Keith Fischetti from Long Island. He's Disney Nut 68 on the forums. So, <laughs> Becky, we're looking for a romantic place um, for for a couple with relatively simple tastes. Well, uh, you know, simple tastes is is a a personal term, <laughs> and to me, that comes down to steak and potatoes. So, uh, my um, brain immediately goes to the yachtsman. You read my see? That's what I have first on my list. <laughs> I just a romantic atmosphere, very quiet, very um, small. It's not noisy, and it has just that core steak and potatoes, good feeling food. Uh, that's probably my first choice. I agree. I think I, I've said it before. Hands down, best steak on property. Excellent service. You can make a, a very long evening out of it, uh, much as I have done in the past. Mm-hmm. A couple of the places I, I thought of was Artist Point. And um, mm-hmm. although there, there are some game-type meats on there, there's also incredible salmon. Um, there are some there's, – there's regular steaks. I think it's also a very romantic place. I think the lodge at night is beautiful. Mm-hmm. And just for fun, I said, let me try and think of some place in the parks just in case. Um, I think Tutto Italia um, has some very nice – you know, you can kind of find a nice little corner in there. As well as the Coral, coral Reef. Um, very different. You You know, if you get a seat – by the window, as it were, or by the tank. Um, I think that could be very romantic as well. See, you stole that one from me because I, I was I was really thinking about Coral Reef because that's one of the ones that's kind of overlooked as well um, a lot of the time. So definitely a, a nice atmosphere in there. And Keith, you know, if that whole lottery thing comes through for you, I got two words for you. Victoria. Victoria and Alberts. Alberts. <laughs> it does not get any more romantic than that. Absolutely. So unless we're going to order like in pizza in room service and then you know do the whole you know, thing there so yeah another thing i i was thinking about too is narcosis I, I haven't seen their menu for for a little while but the the whole waterfront location that's also a a nice romantic place and then you've got that walk outside the stroll through the the resort in the evening true you can even make an argument for citrico's if you sit mm-hmm. sort of you know way in, in the back um by some of the windows i think citrico's very nice and they also have a, a wonderful menu in there as well right so let us know. I want to know what you choose, Keith, and I want to know um, what you thought about it. So next question says, hey, Lou, my name is Nick. I'm a huge fan of your show. Nick, I'm a huge fan of you. Um, I've only <laughs> listened since May, but I've listened to every week since then. I've even gone back and listened to almost all of your old episodes as well. And they've gotten me through many car rides to and from work. You must be commuting like 900 miles. Anyway, this past May... My wife and I went to Disney World for our honey- lot of honeymoons this week, Becky, yeah. which was also my first trip. Wow. I had the absolute best week of my life. And as soon as we had to leave, unfortunately, we started talking about planning our next trip. Always a good idea. So we sat down to plan. And the only week that worked for us is April 11th through the 7th. Two th- sorry, 11th through the 17th, 2009. She's a teacher. That's her spring break. So my question is twofold. A lot of honeymoons. A lot of multiple questions here. So, all right, first question. When we planned this trip, I guess we were so excited to have it booked that we totally overlooked the fact 
that weekend was Easter weekend. Ouch. Scary music here. No, don't be scared. <laughs> don't be scared yet. Uh, I looked up online that the Orlando schools have their spring break earlier in the month, but I'm sure that most schools have theirs probably around the time we're going. How are the parks around that time of that year attendance-wise? When we went in early May last year, we only waited in lines without fast passes for no more than 10 to 15 minutes. Also, are there any special events that take part for Easter Sunday at the parks? Let's take these questions one at a time. First, mm-hmm. about the crowds. Uh, Nick, I-, I hope you love your fellow man because <laughs> you and he and she will be very, very close a lot in line, um, probably. And, and but look, the-, the fact of the matter is Easter is a very, very busy time of year. Oh, absolutely. That's that's when you definitely want to use the power of the fast pass. And you do need to love your fellow man. Uh, anytime you get around those school breaks, it, it's uh, definitely a little bit more crowded than uh, than you experienced during your trip in May. Right. And then he also asked, are there any special events that take part for Easter Sunday at the parks? And uh, believe it or not, Becky, there's actually a lot of different things that go on, including, first and foremost, there are special dining packages. Because <laughs> I had to, I had to, I had to incorporate food just yet, and I wanted to make sure. I, although his second question is all about food. I was going to say, Lou, really tell us about those special dining packages. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, there's um, there are some buffet restaurants that have some changes in prices for special buffets. Um, you can actually find those um, online uh, on Disney's website. There's also some restaurants that have added hours um, for that that Easter time. Uh, I don't know what else you're looking for specifically for Easter Sunday, although I do know that in the Magic Kingdom, there's a, a Mr. and Mrs. Bunny meet and greet from 11 to 6 every day if, we, if by the um, the Tour Guide Gardens right by uh, City Hall. That's where you can get to meet Mr. and Mrs. Bunny. Wow, I learned something new today. <laughs> but wait, there's more. Because at the resorts, Becky, you may not even know this, there's actually a lot of stuff that goes on at the resorts uh, around Easter time. So, for example... Over at Disney's Animal Kingdom Lodge, I think this is so cool. You do egg painting, but they're ostrich eggs. So you do ostrich egg paintings. And if you go over to Coronado Springs, they have a lot of Easter-themed crafts. They have meet and greets, even Pop Century, some of the Valley Resorts. They have lots of crafts, coloring, games over by the pool. Lots and lots of stuff going on. Um, And you wouldn't think necessarily, you know, what else might be going on. So not really a lot in the parks, but outside the parks, um, there is a lot happening. Awesome. That's great, Lou. <laughs> Can you tell I have not been there on Easter? I, I, I personally avoid the crowds. <laughs> That's all right. And, and just, you know, I don't know if you, you were specifically asking about this, but there are religious services that will take place um, on Easter Sunday. That takes place over at the Fantasia Ballroom, over at the Contemporary. Uh, I believe, if, if, if it follows suit this year, 8 to 9 is a Roman Catholic Mass. 9 to 10 is Protestant 1015 to 1115 is another Roman Catholic mass where you can just sit through all three and just, you know, <laughs> get a little bit of a little flavor from from every from all denominations. Um, there you go. Something for everybody. Exactly. But more importantly, let's get on to a second question because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he says, my second question is one that I know you get many times. And of course, that is food. Food. On our honeymoon, we ate at, now listen to this list. I'm very impressed. Cinderella's Royal Table breakfast. How'd you get that? Ohana, Tutto Italia, Spoodles, which I love, by the way, awesome appetizers, Coral Reef, romantic, Tony's, a favorite of Becky's, San Angel Inn, very nice romantic little nighttime thing going there, Sci-Fi Dine-In, 
very cool, kind of quirky, Cape May character breakfast and Grand Floridian breakfast. Can you give us a few other nice restaurants you've eaten everywhere to eat at? <laughs> wow. Thanks again for giving us the best show all about Walt Disney World, and I'm looking forward to getting my first Celebrations magazine in the mail. That is, let me tell you, Nick, wow. that is, I told, remember I said, I'm a fan of Nick's? I'm, a, I'm even a bigger fan now. Absolutely. Um, I think he may know more about some of these than we do. <laughs> well, don't get crazy. Uh, a, couple, Let me, you know. <laughs> a couple of the others that, that I would throw out, because it, it seems like he's covering quite a wide spectrum here, is don't miss out on places like Gico or, or Boma, um, which, of course, have the, the fantastic atmosphere and, and some pretty interesting uh, menu choices as well. And I, I'm going to also mention Le Cellier. Mm-hmm. just because that tends to be one of my favorites. And if you've done Cindy's or Cinderella's Royal Breakfast, try it for dinner. That's also a, a different experience up there, too. True. And, and I started thinking about other places inside the parks. Um, I, I was really, really impressed for dinner over at Tusker House um, uh-huh. at Disney's Animal Kingdom. I thought it was very, very good. And again, I'll, I'll repeat what I said when I, when I talked about it. Dare I say better than Boma? <gasps> I, listen, I... <laughs> Calm down. I'm just. <laughs> I'm shocked. Yeah. Really? Either I was starving, which I always am. But yeah, I thought that the uh, I thought the selection was exceptional. Um, I thought they had a, a very very wide variety of food. It seemed like there was actually more to choose from at Tusker House for dinner. Uh, and again, you're in Animal Kingdom at night, which which I just love. But something else that you didn't mention, and what I think that you should do, Nick and everybody else who's listening, is don't just restrict yourself to the theme parks, and certainly not just to your own hotel. Look at menus from all the other hotels um, on property. Obviously, All Ears is, is the best resource for that. One place that came right to, uh, to mind was over at the Swan. Il Molino is exceptional. Um, I, I had a wonderful meal, meal, meal there uh, last year. And uh, very, very nice, quiet atmosphere. You can have a very long meal. They have a wonderful, wonderful wine list there. Uh, there's Todd English's Blue Zoo over there. I mean, there's so many great places to choose from. Um, right. All on uh, property. Another, uh, another one on property, of course, is The Wave, which is one of the new um, uh, new restaurants to be added to the list over the Contemporary. I've heard a lot of great things uh, about that rocks. location. Yeah. The Wave rocks. I will take you to The Wave. I will take you to The Wave. Oh, excellent. And they, you know, The Wave has breakfast, You're- lunch, and dinner. And you're paying for all of them, right? I said, I'm taking you to the wave. <laughs> I'm a lawyer. I said nothing about it. The other thing, too, Nick, and look, mind you, look how long we're talking about the dinner. Um, don't uh, rule out downtown Disney. Whether I just ate at Fulton's Crab House the other night, which was, if you're a seafood lover, stop, stop, do not pass go. Do not go right to Fulton's. It was very, very good. Um, albeit, it's a little bit on the pricey side. I'm not going to lie to you. Portobello Yacht Club. Has just recently be, been redone. Has a very much of a Tuscan feel to it. Very, very nice. Um, do something like Raglan Road. You know, go mm-hmm. to Raglan Road to get the nighttime entertainment. Or um, or just totally surprise her and take her to T-Rex and get her the little build the <laughs> dino in the back. So. <laughs> All right. Good. We've got to move on past the food as, as much as it pains me to do so. Um, next question is from Steve. He said, Lou, just wondering if you could tell me the quickest way to get to Toy Story Mania upon entering the parks. All right. It's quick and simple. I'm going to tell you my way, and then you can tell me if you have a different way. Maybe you've got the secret back-end thing, and I'm going to have to somehow... I am going to sneak food in here at some point. (laughs) Obviously, as soon as you walk in, walk quickly, briskly, 
down Hollywood Boulevard. Don't go to the right past Hollywood Brown Derby. There's the food reference. And under the animation courtyard archway, I instead say go past the hat to the right, down the steps, go left, get to that fast pass machine. Uh, you'll be able to get your fast pass and get on the ride. Uh, and I think that's probably the quickest way to go. I, I, that's exactly what I was going to say. And you actually could start at the, you know, they've got the um, the hot nuts cart, the little cart that's right there usually by the hat. So when you're done with your fast pass, you come back that same way. And they've got like the, the roasted cashews and stuff. Awesome. <sighs> Food. Awesome. Right on. <laughs> I'm yep, going to look right. like those guys in Wally sitting on the chair that I can't even get up and move. That's how I'm going to my, make my way around the parks at some point. Yeah, yeah this this is January. Isn't this supposed to be when we're making the rev, the resolutions that we <laughs> should be talking about the marathon rather than food? But I am. Okay. And once again, of course, I, I'm carb loading. <laughs> All right. The next email is from Jeff, a.k.a. Magic Believer. And it also came. there's also a very similar question also came from Chad from Wisconsin. So I'm going to kind of consolidate these into one. Says, Lou, I stumbled across your show about four months ago, and I'm enjoying it very much. I'm trying to keep up with the new ones as I catch up from last year's. I need to tell you that while that while my wife and I are at Walt Disney World celebrating, again, wow, look at this, our 25th anniversary, good for you. Nice. On one of the tours we took, the Back Trails Adventure, the off-road Segway tour, the guide asked many trivia questions, and in large part due to your show, I was able to answer almost all the questions, even had a few trivia facts to contribute. There you go. WW Radio Show, the show that gives back. So, but anyway, on more than one occasion, I was told in an offhand way that I should be working at Walt Disney World, shouldn't we all? Anyway, now, on to my question. On one of your shows, you made mention of a cast member, an Illuminations cruise captain, that went way beyond expectations, made your experience that much more memorable. You said that you wrote a letter to Walt Disney World commending that cast member for their outstanding service. I'd like to do the same. To whom do I address the letter, and to what address do I send it to? Thanks for your assistance. And get this, Becky, I enjoy the two-hour shows. They're just the right length for our trips to Walt Disney World. We live in Australia, and I try... No, we live in St. Augustine, and I try and go a few times a month. Again, that's uh, from Jeff. Yeah, Jeff, and I said this when we talked about cast members as a seventh wonder. The best thing that you can do to repay a cast member for an exceptional experience is let them, or more importantly... Let somebody above them know. And I'll post the link, I'll post the address in the show notes to Walt Disney World Guest Communications. I'll give you the snail mail address as well as an email address, which is www.guest.communications at disneyworld.com. I should tell you too, I actually heard back from the captain's lead uh, about her and how much that, and that they thanked me for writing the letter and that they folded on to her and put it in her file. And I think I, I know. Um, from talking to somebody else that knew her, she was very, very appreciative of that. And uh, whether it is a frontline cast member, you know, whoever it may be, if there's somebody that makes a little bit of magic for you, that's the best way that you can say thanks. I am so in agreement with you here because it's the cast members who really bring so much of the magic when you're there. That's, again, that Disney difference that we always talk about. But it's unfortunate that many times we're so driven to write a letter or to pick up the phone when it's a complaint and the, the managers always go, Oh my gosh, there's a, somebody that wants to talk to you or there's a letter coming. And it's always that feeling of what have we done wrong? What's what, you know, what, what went wrong for this guest? But it's so wonderful to be able to open up that letter and, and hear what went right. And I know that cast members take so much pride in, in those notes uh, of thanks and this person went out of their way 
way and made my trip magical. It really makes a difference for them. So, you know, kudos to you for wanting to write the letter. And for anybody else who's listening, if you have a cast member that really makes a difference for you, take the time to just write a quick email to, uh, to the email address that Lou has given. It really will make a difference in someone's day. Yeah. And even if you can't, you know, if you say, look, I know I'm going to go home, I'm going to forget about this person. What I've done in the past and, and, and recently on a trip, um, I, I was, here you go, I was eating and I was talking to my <laughs> server about how exceptional I, I thought the, the my entree was. It, it was very unique. I thought it was absolutely delicious. Well, the chef came out and gave me the recipe. I didn't ask for it. And I was like, wow, you know, I'll, I'll never be able to make this because it doesn't go into a microwave. But this, you know. I thought, and I and as I left, I said, "Can I talk to the manager?" And of course, they're like, "Oh, great! What's this guy complaining about?" And I said, "I just want to let you know, Chef So and So really, in addition to doing an, an amazing job on the food, I thought it was a, a wonderful gesture for, for him to come out of the kitchen and do that for me." Absolutely, that's really great. I, I'm so I had to tell that story just so I can get food. In. <laughs> <laughs> I said it, it was as a joke really at the good. beginning. I said it as a, as a joke in the beginning, but but yeah, now it's a quest to get food in every question. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Okay, moving on. <laughs> well, Keith from Canada is going to make it really easy. And I'm, these questions really were, were drawn somewhat randomly. Anyway, Lou, love the show. Can't get enough of it. I have a question about an ADR for Donald's Breakfast Safari in the Animal Kingdom for 8.05 a.m. Since the park doesn't open until 9, will the parking lot be open yet? Or will I need to use Disney transportation to get there early? We'll be staying at the Wilderness Lodge, but would prefer to use our own car to get around. Thanks for your help. Keep up the good work, Keith. The, the parking lot is open at that at that point. You just um, th- there'll be cast members at the gate to let you through. If the last time that I d- did an early ADR, there was a, a s- section off to the left that you just go up to the cast member, make sure to have your advanced dining reservation information with you, um, and, and they'll you know let you in to be able to make your ADR. Has that been your experience? Right, and you can get into the park obviously early as well too. But they're going to have a list there. They're going to have a printed out right. list, so. You can't say, oh, yeah, I've got a ADR for 8.09 a.m. and I'm going to follow it. You actually have to be on the list or they won't let you in. I've yep. tried. No, I mean, I, I know <laughs> from seeing other people try. But but it is, I, I really do encourage everybody, when you do have um, ADRs, keep a list with you. Bring it with you when you go because you, you never know. Sometimes something is um, misplaced. So it's good to have <laughs> exactly. those numbers with you just in case. And they, they can call the restaurant, too. If you're, you're like, look, I, you know, I made this. 90 days ago, I'm telling you, I was on the phone at 7 a.m. They'll call the restaurant just to make sure that their list is accurate. So no worries if you don't have your numbers written down. So Becky, next question is from Guy Hutchinson from, uh, from right down the street in Princeton, New Jersey. He said, in past years, I've bought some really cool posters at Sid Cahuenga's, vintage posters for movies like The Black Hole. Awesome. Love Vincent. And Rascal. Not familiar with Rascal. Anyway, this past trip, I couldn't find any of these vintage posters just your typical modern Disney ones. Do they sell these anywhere else on property, or am I out of luck? Um, Guy, I, I would say SIDS is still your best bet. I was there not too long ago, and I did see um, some vintage uh, theater posters uh, from classic Disney films as well as some non-Disney films. I think it's probably, uh, you know, it's like going to a flea market. It's like hit or miss as to what they have in there. Um, you know, if you want to buy the signed, you know, William Shatner polyester you know, shirt from start. They'll have that there if you got 15 G's to spend. But as far as posters, um, again, it, it's kind of hit or miss, I think. Unless, like you said, some of the more modern ones they keep in stock. The other place you can check, too, 
for posters, I'd say, would be the art of Disney, specifically in downtown Disney, because there they have the print-on-demand service, um, and you might have a little bit more of a selection, although I know that they don't have you know vintage movie posters there. Right. The only other really off-the-wall the shot that I can even think of is, is trying to contact like Disney World mail-order merchandise department just to see if somebody's got something hanging around. Um, and that, I think that number is 407-363-6200. Um, but that, of course, would be a, a long shot, but worth a try. Yeah, I think Sid's. Um, I think Sid's might be your best bet, and you can probably even give. Yeah. I don't know if you can even give Sid's a call and find out if you're looking for something specific. Talk much specific and <laughs> and see if they can and ship it up to you. And and while you're waiting at Sid's, you can go across the way and get you know a popcorn or a cookie. You know while you're waiting for your poster to be wrapped. Dang! Up. <laughs> I'm not gonna forget. Are you kidding me? Perfect. So, so Becky, I I actually have to say. You know, I don't know how I can say this, but we're out of time. We're out of time, and I know we've got so many more to get to that we're ready to do, and uh, and so many more in the inbox. I promise that we will get to those. If you guys have questions, please email me at lou at wdwradio.com. If you have a specific question, maybe that Becky can help you out with, you can go over to Mouse Fan Travel, email Becky or one of her agents. They'll be happy to help you with any of your travel planning. And uh, Becky Mankin, as always, thank you for joining me on this email slash dining segment. I think email is a bit of a misnomer at this point. Uh, always, always a lot of fun. I appreciate your help. And not a problem. Thanks again for the invite. I love being part of the show. And you know, of course, the wave thing was just an invitation to the wave. It was not eating it. <laughs> so, I want to be clear. Get on the record. <laughs> yeah, and breakfast, lunch, and dinner, right? Can, can we spread that out over three separate days or does that have to be all on the same day? I wonder if you get to the wave at like nine o'clock for breakfast and just sit there until noon, can you just be like, well, just, you know what? Let's just bring out lunch. I'm ready for lunch now. Just sort of extend breakfast and lunch to a single meal, a single check. <sighs> I have no idea, but I'm sure if they brought in one of those couches, um, we could probably wait through it. I bet you I could do it at Tusker House. I bet you I could do it at Tusker <laughs> Start off there for lunch and just just wait on, just waddle my way to dinner. (laughs) (laughs) Just sit there the entire time. All right, we gotta go. Thanks again. All right. It's time for this week's Walt Disney World trivia contest, where I'm gonna ask you a series of trivia questions give you until next week's show to answer them and draw a winner from all of the correct entries. But first, let's go back to last week's contest, where the theme was about the 100th episode of the WDW radio show, so I based all of my questions on things that happened on the show or that you could learn about from the show in the past 100 episodes. So they weren't really show-specific, but if you were listening or went back You could actually go and find the answers. So here are the questions and answers to last week's contest. First, name two songs written by the Sherman Brothers that couldn't be heard in Adventureland in the Magic Kingdom, whether it was an attraction, a pavilion, etc. What I was really looking for there was the Tiki 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 Room and the Little Orange Bird. The next question was about Roger Rabbit, more specifically Jessica Rabbit. 
Because if you remember, she used to be on the old Pleasure Island sign, the giant neon Pleasure Island sign. But before that, that image of Jessica Rabbit could be found somewhere else. And she actually used to be at the old Jessica's of Hollywood store. Also down in Pleasure Island, Jessica's was replaced around 2006 or so with the Avigators supply company shop. And the third question, I asked you to name all of the seven wonders of Walt Disney World that we covered on the show. I gave you a head start. I gave you the first one, which was Spaceship Earth. The other six were Cinderella Castle, Audio Animatronics, The Monorail, Music of Walt Disney World, The Construction of Walt Disney World, and the Walt Disney World cast members. And randomly selected from all of the correct entries was Erica Linneman. She is this week's winner. Erica, congratulations. I have your address, and I will get your prize package out to you, which consists of the 2009 Walt Disney World trivia, page-a-day desk calendar, copy of the Main Street USA audio guide on CD, and the all-new WDW radio show button, plus the pair of Dream Mickey ears, thanks to uh, 2008 Walt Disney World Moms panel member Brett Caldwell. So congratulations once again. But now, on to this week's trivia contest. Once again, I'm going to give you three questions all about Walt Disney World, and I'll give you until next week to answer them. So here you go. Here are your questions for this week's contest. Number one, in Ellen's Energy Adventure at the Universe of Energy, Bill Nye, the science guy, borrows three items from Ellen. What are they? So I'm looking for three things for the first question. Number two, what is the name of the presidential suite at Disney's Polynesian Resort? And then uh, try and say it three times fast. And third, as part of my Epcot retrospective series, we looked at the old Communicore Pavilion and talked about the person of the century poll that was conducted there. And your final question this week is, who eventually was named Person of the Century? So there you go. Ellen's Energy Adventure, what three things does Bill Nye borrow? The name of the presidential suite at Disney's Polynesian Resort. And who was the Person of the Century based on the poll conducted at Communicore? And this week, I'm going to do something a little bit different. I'm going to give you a bonus question. You do not need to get this one right in order to win the prize package, in order, in order to win this week's contest. But if you do, I'm going to give you a bonus prize, an extra special prize, again courtesy of Brett Caldwell, 2008 Moms Panel member. So you know it's going to have to be a little special since it came from Brett. So here you go. Here is your bonus question. Pegleg Pete. The salty old pirate parrot that used to welcome guests into the Pirates of the Caribbean in Adventureland sadly was removed during the refurb a few years ago. But luckily for him and for us, he found a new perch somewhere else in Walt Disney World. But that's not this week's question. He's located at the World of Disney store in downtown Disney, but he's now known by a different name. What's Pegleg Pete's new name? And I'll give you a hint. He's named after something he wears. And I'll give you another hint. You even heard him at the beginning of this week's show. So there you have it. There are your three questions and your bonus question. Get all three right. You win the 2009 Walt Disney World desk page-a-day calendar, the audio guide to Walt Disney World Main Street USA, 
the WDW Radio Show button. And why not? I'll also, you know what? I'm going to throw in another pair of Dream Mickey ears from Brett from the Moms Panel. And if you get the bonus question right, you get that special prize also from Brett Caldwell. So you have until 11.59 p.m. on Saturday, January 25th, 2009. Last week, I think I said you had until the 11th. I meant the 18th. Sorry if that messed you up a little bit. But you can email your answers to me at lou at wdwradio.com. Remember, all correct entries are put into a pool. The winner is drawn randomly, so it's more important to be right than to be first. Good luck, and of course, have fun. That's all the time we have this week. I hope you enjoyed the show. Thanks to all of my guests who joined me on the roundtable. Pat, Lori, Val, Steve, Glenn, Tracy. If they have a blog, which many of them do, I will link to it in this week's show notes. Thanks also to Becky Mankin from Mouse Fan Travel for her help on the emails. Remember to visit Mouse Fan Travel for your free, no-obligation quote on your next Walt Disney World, Disneyland, Disney Cruise Line, or Adventures by Disney vacation. She and her team of agents will give you not only the best possible price and discounts, but the amazing level of personal service that is their hallmark. Speaking of emails, I have more to come, I promise you, so please keep sending your questions to lou at wdwradio.com, or if you want to be heard on the air, call the voicemail toll-free at 888-703-2171. I also want to say thanks to everybody who played along with me last week via Twitter or Facebook for my Where in the World contest from Walt Disney World. I was posting pictures on both from my phone, asking you guys to identify where I was in Walt Disney World. I had a lot of fun doing that with you, and I hope that helped bring a little bit of Walt Disney World to you at home. For those of you that were down there, thank you so much to everybody that came by for the first WDW radio show meet of the month last week at the Tomorrowland Noodle Station. I had a great time meeting so, so many of you, and I can't thank you enough for taking the time out of your vacation or your day to come by and say hello, including a special guest that we had pay us a visit. Uh, Push the Trash Can actually came over from Tomorrowland to say hello, chat with us, even fill us in on a couple of things that he saw a few weeks ago in the parks. That was a nice surprise. Glenn Whalen actually was kind enough to videotape Push's little sort of guest appearance. You can check out the video from his site at passamaquati.blog.com as well as some of Glenn's uh, very humorous posts about some things that went on last week. Or I'll link directly up to the high def video in the show notes this week. And speaking of the WDW Radio Meet of the Month, which is obviously just a very casual gathering of listeners uh, every month or so in Walt Disney World, I'm ready to announce next month's February's Meet of the Month. That's going to take place Friday, February 13th at Disney's Animal Kingdom at the Flame Tree Barbecue, probably down in the lower level seating area down by the river. Get a nice view of the water, Expedition Everest in the background, probably around 12 o'clock, noonish or so. More details as we get closer. I'll tell you that I wanted to try and have the meet on Saturday or on a weekend day when maybe more people might be able to come, but I wasn't going to be the guy responsible for you having to say, sorry, honey, I know it's Valentine's Day, but I'm going to meet at what? So we're going to do it on Friday. But if you can't make it down, no worries at all. Like I said, I'm going to try and do this 
every month. I will be back in March and the rest of the year at least once a month, including on some special event weekends. So stay tuned for dates uh, as I'll be able to lock those in. And if you're on Facebook, come by and join the WDW Radio Show group page. I'll link to that in this week's show notes. Let us know that you're coming. Um, Also, I'll post a thread over in the forums at DisneyWorldTrivia.com where you can just kind of post, let us know that you're coming down. You don't have to, of course. You don't need to RSVP. It's always nice to know that you're going to try and make it. But if you can't get down to Walt Disney World anytime soon, still want to try and chat, I gave a sneak peek a couple of weeks ago for WDW Radio Live, where I'm broadcasting live either from my studio slash my house, uh, maybe from the parks. Gives you an opportunity to kind of see me on video with audio. You guys can join in a text chat where you can ask questions. We can talk. We can play games, do contests, whatever it might be. Like I said, I'm also going to try broadcasting live from the parks later on this year as well. Watch for updates on the site uh, as well as through Twitter where I'll be posting when I'll be doing that. I'll definitely be doing that again this week. So if you aren't following me on Twitter, head on over to Twitter.com. Sign up for a free account. Follow my updates at Twitter.com slash Lou Mangiello. I'll try and post there on Facebook or in the forums when I think I'm going to be able to do some uh, some live chat, some live streaming video and chat. So definitely watch the site for updates on that as well. A couple of other quick notes that my 2009 page-a-day calendar, still just $5 over at DisneyWorldTrivia.com. I'm also going to keep the reduced price of my audio guides to Walt Disney World as well. CDs, just $8.99. Downloads, just 5 bucks. You can also get copies of my trivia books, Volume 1 and 2, signed. And if you want them personalized, I'll personalize them for you right from there. Uh, Celebrations Magazine, I've got good news and I've got bad news. Issue 1 is sold out. That's the bad news. If you haven't gotten Issue 1, we are sold out. But the good news is that you can still subscribe and you can also order Issue 2, our last issue, as a back issue. You can visit celebrationspress.com to order either of those. If you have a question, something you want to see covered in the magazine, maybe an article idea, or even just send a letter to the editor, you can send me that at lou at wdwradio.com. As I said, I do have a lot of exciting things coming up that I'm going to start rolling out in the next few weeks, including a couple of surprises. Definitely stay tuned for that. Remember, if you want to comment on, you want to talk about the show with other listeners, please come by and join and visit the forums over at DisneyWorldTrivia.com. We just passed 30,000 members. We're still a very close, very welcoming community. So I invite you to please come on by and join. As always, if you like the show, you can really help me out by please helping to spread the word. Let others know about it. Post a review up in iTunes. Come say hi on Facebook. Join the WDW Radio Show group. There's lots of different ways to get involved, make it as interactive as possible for you. And of course, as always, thank you so much for taking the time out of your week and tuning in. I really do appreciate it. Until next time, remember, always keep moving forward. See ya. Hey, Lou. It's Mary Jo Collins from Lenora City, Tennessee. I just uh, got back from a wonderful week at Disney World, and it was so exciting to meet you at the meet and greet for the marathon. Um, I'm very proud to say that I did complete the marathon on Sunday. It was an experience of a lifetime. I just wanted to let your listeners know that um, if you've ever wanted to try and do a marathon, this is really the one to do. The characters in the park and the wonderful cheering crowds just make it so much fun. 
So um, also wanted to tell you that your valuable advice for the spectators really helped make my family make the most of their experience as well. You're just awesome, Lou, and I love the show. Bye-bye. Lou, hi, this is Jamie from Dunloring, Virginia, calling you from the world right now. Actually staying at the Port Orleans French Court Resort, having a blast. This is our third visit here. Uh, really enjoyed your recent episode uh, focusing on the resorts, and tonight we're going up to Riverside to catch Yeehaw Bob. And uh, after this, we're going off on the Disney Wonder for a few wonderful days, and then back uh, to the world, uh, staying at Saratoga Springs. Thanks for the great work on the show. Congrats on episode 100. Keep up the good work. Bye-bye. Hey, um, I'm a big fan of the show. I think it's really awesome. Um, well, I was just going to give a shout-out, see if you could put me on the show. Um, thanks. Bye.